This is the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Hello, it's Mark here and welcome to the Clonmel Podcast. One episode 106 for this Friday, the 21st of October. Brought to you by our friends at County Tipperary Skillnet. Take the first step to sustainability with County Tipperary Skillnet. Visit their sustainability show at 10am on October the 25th in the Torbett Hotel, Clonmel. So how was your week? Hope it went well. We had thunder and lightning and heavy rain, of course, during the week. Well done to all those who slept out last Friday for Focus Island's Shine a Light Night. More on that coming up in a few moments' time. Congratulations to Clonmel Commercials, who were crowned county champions last weekend. Junior search will be out on the 23rd of November. We found out that this week. Good to hear that the hospital radio is now back on air after being off air for so long. You can tune in now and staying with the hospital. Best of luck to Professor, or as we knew him, Dr. Ford O'Regan, who retired this week from Tipperary University Hospital. So what is coming up this week on the Clonmel Podcast? Well, I chat to poet and lovely guy, Dave Fallon. They also meet up with Paul Lucy from soon-to-open Bodega 1830 Tapas and Wine Bar. News on a one-day beginner's creative writing course. Vintage tea at a place for you. And Clonmel's been chosen as a 10-minute town. More on this and more coming up. The Clonmel Podcast. But first, Focus Island's Shine a Light Night took place last Friday to raise awareness for homelessness here in Ireland. I popped along to the main guard and spoke to Teresa Johnson and Owen O'Flaherty, who were sleeping out on the night. I'm here at the main guard for Focus Island Shine a Light Night 2022, and I'm joined by, firstly, Teresa Johnson. Welcome to the podcast, Teresa. Thank you very much, Mark. It's hard to believe it's a year ago since I was last here, and I have to ask, have things improved? I'm afraid to say things have not improved. If anything, I think things have got worse at the moment. There is, at the moment we have to stand, we have 1,483 families. Now there's families. And out of that, we have 3,220 children without a home in Ireland. How, how can that be? There's no social houses being built. And that's a fact. Isn't it my right on? Owen's here as well. So, I mean, what does the government need to do? Get their asses in gear, basically. Basically. Look, it's it's simple. The government needs to just act, act in the public interest, and start building estates they, like they did in the past. They've done it. I said this to you last year. Did. And nothing has uh, improved. Oh, nothing has improved. But then, have we had a change of government that works for the people? No. So, th- th- there's your answer. You know, the, the reality is with homelessness, we have. I think it's pushing on 11,000 homeless. Now that's homeless, that's registered in emergency accommodation. So there's obviously lots of people and families out there that aren't. You have homelessness that are not registered here here at the moment, right? People that are sleeping out in our streets and people that are couch surfing, that they're looking for somebody to put them up for this night or a week or two. Those people are, 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 are not on that list. So if we took all that into consideration, we're looking at thousands and thousands of people. What's not been included in that as well are the students. You know, if you're only watching TV this week, you would have heard Rory Hearn talk about the students that he teaches in Maynooth sleeping in their cars. That's right, yeah. You know, in, in a country as rich as, as Ireland, that is ranked so highly amongst the rich countries, we have to ask the simple question, you know, what is happening to, to those that are meant to be looked after by our state? And what about here in Clonmel and Tipperary? 
In the last, I have to say, the last couple of months, we have noticed that the homeless situation, I look, I'm talking now about Clomel, has got worse. And you can walk around the town in Clomel and you will see our homeless people here. And I don't know exactly how many are actually sleeping on the streets in Clonmel at the moment, but I know there's a, quite a few of them. Yeah. I know the soup kitchens are getting busier yeah, than ever. And, yep. and, the food, and the food cloud on a Friday morning uh, is getting very, very busy. The girls uh, up there that are, uh, that are up there are running out of stock. You, you know, they, they desperately need um, donations. Like, like the soup kitchen is very busy now on a, on a Tuesday evening. You know, we're there from five to seven and this food cloud is there from half nine to half past twelve on a Friday morning. So, you know, they're, they're very busy. What can people do if they are in a, a state where they, they, need, they need a home? They're not registered. Who do they go to? First thing is they, they get, go down to the council they and they register with the housing department. First, first thing. You have to do that. They, register. they have to register that they are homeless, that they have nowhere to go. That's the first thing they have to do. And from there, then there'll be, you know, forms or whatever emergency accommodation then, if they can give it. It is only then that that the cogs start to turn in their favour. Um, with groups like the soup kitchen, you know, what Vincent de Paul, whatever, they have to reach out. This silly attitude of, you know, I'm okay. There's somebody worse than me. When you really are in need, you need to reach out. And we know things are getting worse. Things are getting worse, and, and, and I'm sure people around Clonmel at the moment are, will, are noticing that things are getting worse in the town. You know, inflation is spiraling out of control, energy bills, etc. Yeah. yeah, but the situation is, you know, if we're to be honest, you know, inflation is a new word to describe an old problem. We had less than 2,000 registered homeless, which was a much broader body of people you know, less than 10, 15 years ago, you know. And now we have 11,000 of a figure that is utterly fudged. You know, there's no other way to put it. And people should never, ever, ever be fudged into any statistic. It's hard to believe in this day and age that we have this amount of people homeless. Um, we have, Mark, and I think it's only going to get worse unless something is done about it. So I really do think that something our government has to listen they have to do something i mean we we're depending on private landlords at the moment but private landlords at the moment and and i know it's not their fault but they're selling so there's people every week you hear of a family that that's going to be homeless because their landlord is selling up and there's nowhere for these people to go so the government has to listen they really do have to listen uh, I, I know enough is enough people can't take anymore You've got the donation buckets here tonight. I know people can also donate online, can't they? They can donate online. They can donate online on the um, Focus Ireland Shine the Light page. I think that's open for the next two weeks, if I'm right. And, and, uh, and they'll find it on um, my page, Teresa Johnson. They'll find it on Ona Flaherty's and they'll find it on Pat English's page as well. All right. Teresa Johnson and Ona Flaherty, thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, and thanks for coming down. Cheers. Thank much you. appreciated. The Club Mail Podcast. Now, Bodega 1830 Tapas and Wine Bar is opening soon in Emmett Street here in town. And I went along for a nose about and also to chat to Paul Lucy to find out more. I've come to Bodega 1830 and I'm joined by Paul Lucy. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks very much. Great to be here. And I'm delighted to be here because I know you're opening next week. Tell us about Bodega 1830. 
Big eighteen thirty as a concept that was envisioned by myself and Michael Marr, another local clan yeah, man. And um, you know, we we'd been looking for a premises for a couple of years, you know, and where to place the, the concept. It had to be an old traditional, you know, type uh, building and uh, Richmond Mill, um, you know, owned by Michael Lavin came up and we decided that we would go first. And here we are today, you know, two weeks away from opening. Great old building as well. Richmond Mill, we're in that kind of Clonmel Jail, Borstal area as well. And the decor strikes me straight away when I walk in here. You've done a fantastic job with this. Explain some of the decor for it to us. Yeah, I mean, we've got some beautiful decor here and uh, with the help of so, so many great tradesmen, you know, in the town. Um, you know, there's too many, you know, to name, you know, right here now. But, um, yeah, the, de- the decor is based around kind of a 1920s team, you know, also incorporating, you know, the history of the town. There's pieces here that resemble, you know, um, you know, the, the journey of the famous Ned Kelly from, you know, Ireland to Australia, you know, Father Sheehy, who was hung in Clonmel in 1857. Round here, I think. Yeah, that's correct. In this, in, in, in this vicinity. And uh, yeah, we're paying tributes to a bit of history of the town and trying to incorporate that whole feeling of, um, you know, of uh, that, that type of nostalgia. Where did the idea come from, Paul? Um, I mean, I suppose myself and my wife and I know Michael and Annette um, all have, you know, a love for food and typically, you know, sharing plates, you know, in general. And we've also spent quite some time, you know, in Spain and Europe and I suppose going to tapas restaurants, you know, throughout Barcelona and Madrid and um, just decided that a concept like this would work well in, uh, in our local town. Now, give us a flavour of the menu, because we were going through this before we came to air, and it was very mouth-watering. A sneak preview. I know you can't give everything out there. Yeah, I know our, our head chef here, Stephen McNamara, will be uh, will, will kill me if I give away you know too much you know too early. But just to give you an idea, we're trying to incorporate you know as much you know local ingredients and sourcing foods from you know local producers. Um, so there'll be dishes there that will incorporate you know obviously cashew blue cheese and some of Newly Hickey's you know famous breads especially or sourdough will be on offer here with you know a range of dips um we'll be doing things like you know potato croquettes um deep fried tipperary brie we will have like you know short rib taco beef goat's cheese with caramelized onion you know prawn peel peel um, antipasties and uh, plenty of uh, cheese boards and also plenty of wine yeah, I mean, the wine is very extensive and the list grew <laughs> and grew and grew. Um, we have um, the largest wine list on offer in all of Munster. Uh, we have over 200 wines on the list and, you know, you can have a bottle of wine here anywhere from €24 Euro all the way up to €1,500. Euro. So, you know, there's, there's, there's something there for every pocket. Do you know what? I think it's... It's this part of the town which has kind of become a ghost town, hasn't it? It really is around here. And this will bring people to this area. 
Absolutely, you know, it's wonderful. Liven it up. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it's even wonderful to see the amount of people that have shown an interest and, you know, you know, walking through the doors and asking, you know, when are we opening up and, you know, admiring the decor and the decoration of the, the new facility. So um, definitely it's creating um, a buzz uh, around the town and I think it will definitely attract a lot more people, you know, to this area and liven it up and brighten it up. Okay, so again, you're opening next Thursday. That's the 27th. Yeah, opening next Thursday the 27th and our booking system went live this week. Fantastic. So how do people book? If they go on to, um, the, onto our Facebook page or go on to our website, uh, you'll be able to go on to our booking platform and make your reservations there. Okay, not an easy time in the current climate to open a new business, but we wish you the best of luck, of course. Ah, thanks very much. Look, it's not an easy time for businesses out there in general, but um, we've got to keep trying. Okay, finally, the name. Where'd the name come from? Um, you know, we've, we, we played around with many, many names and nothing seemed Did to you really? Oh, absolutely. Come on, absolutely. any any off the top of your head? Um, <laughs> there, 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 was, there was so many names there that we, that we went through, but the, we wanted to incorporate the, the building. It's such a beautiful building and it was built in 1830. So that's where the 1830 comes from. And Bodega is traditionally um, a name of a bar in Spain. So Bodega 1830 seemed to fit the, the bill. And it was probably the only thing myself and Michael Mayer could agree upon. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the very best of luck with Bodega 1830. Paul Lucy, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Now, a one-day beginner's creative writing course takes place with Martin Keaveney at the Tipperary Arts Centre on Saturday, the 22nd of October. That's tomorrow. Get more details on their website and social media pages. A War of Independence and Civil War historical exhibition takes place on Sunday, the 6th of November, from 10.30am to 2.30pm at the Kilcash Community Centre, Kilcash. Donations will be accepted on the door for the upkeep of Republican monuments. Vintage Tea will take place at a place for you next Thursday, the 27th of October, from 10.30am to 12.30pm. This is open to everyone, where there will be a chat with parents and carers with children with ASD about support services they are offering. Now, this is quite interesting. Clonmel's been chosen as a 10-minute town by Transport Minister Eamon Ryan. If plans go ahead, we'll see major changes in Clonmel aimed at prioritising more access to pedestrians and less to the car. Speaking of cars and driving and roads and all that sort of stuff, the R671 Dungarvan Road will be closed for four days in November due to roadworks. This will be from 8am on Tuesday, the 1st of November to 6pm on Friday the 4th of November and diversions will be in operation. Parts of the Clonmel Inner Relief Road will have a stop-and-go system in place for two months. Great, can't wait for that. This will be between the Cashel and Care Road roundabouts from Monday the 24th of October to December the 22nd from 8am to 6pm to facilitate a VRS barrier installation. Whatever that is. Traffic is going to be crazy around there, isn't it? It really is. There's one to avoid if you can. An offer licence could soon be opening at the old Carphone Warehouse building in the Poppy Fields. A decision by Tipperary County Council will be due on November the 15th. A table quiz in aid of Clonmel Scouts will take place at the Immigrants' Rest on Friday the 18th of November at 9pm. Your quizmaster on the night is Ken Horn. Table of four, €20, Euros, and there will also be a raffle and spot prizes. Well worth a visit on that night. Fancy some bingo? Don't forget Hillview's bingo. Every Monday night, this coming Monday, the jackpot is a grand with two grand in prize money. Doors open at 7pm with eyes down at 8. 
And also the annual Andy Doyle Pitch and Putt competition takes place this coming Saturday and Sunday. Entry fee is €5 per person. Starts at 9.30am with last card at 3.30pm on both days and lots of prizes to be won there. Zero Waste Marketplace and Anglesey Street currently have 20% off their most popular reusable products like travel flasks with tea infuser, stainless steel water bottles, stainless steel and bamboo lunchboxes and husky travel cups. This is to celebrate reusable month. The Clonmel Greyhound Stadium restaurant are now taking bookings for Christmas parties. You get the full three-course festive meal, plenty of entertainment and racing, bar and tote available too. Get more details on their Facebook page. The legends that are Makeham and Clancy are live at Hotel Manila next Friday, the 28th of October. Doors open at 7.30pm with the show starting at 8.30pm. Tickets are €30 Euros from worldmusic.com or Hotel Manila. A Colony Hall fundraiser featuring KGE will take place next Friday, the 28th of October. Doors open at 7.30pm. Free entry, prizes for the best Halloween costumes, spooky tunes and lots more on the night. There's also a six-week computer course starting at the Community Hall. That's next Thursday, the 27th of October. This is so cheap. Five euro per night, which works out to be, if my calculations are right, 30 euros for six classes. Or if you pay in full on the night, you get a fiver off. Good deal. For more, contact Amanda on this number, 086-8499-823, or email colonysc at gmail.com. Eve Whelan's having an acoustic gig at the South Tipperary Arts Centre next Thursday, the 27th of October. It starts at 7.30pm. Admission is free, but you will still need to book. Call 052-6127877 or southtipartscentre.ie to book your place now. That is going to be an amazing gig. A charity night in aid of the Tipperary University Hospital Children's Ward is coming to Bennigan's on the 12th of November. DJ for the night is Billy Bob, and there will be a raffle spot prizes as well, and it all kicks off at 8pm. With Halloween just around the corner, good to hear the zombie walk is back in town this year. On the 31st, of course, at 6.30pm, it all starts at Marketplace. Music is by Super Soul Machine. There'll also be Spooky Trails Green Screen Photo Booth is back as well. The Spooky Walking Tour, Stag Art Competition as well. Get more details on the Halloween in Clonmel social media pages. The Tipperary Museum of Hidden History are holding Halloween storytelling, arts and crafts and games on Saturday the 29th of October from 2 to 4pm. Get more details on museum at tipperarycoco.ie or call this number 052-61-65252. And don't forget their spooky guided tour of Clonmel between 2 and 4pm on Halloween. That's the 31st of October. Of course it is. The Clonmel podcast, Job Spot. Now, jobs this week, what have we got? Well, a security are looking for a security officer. More details on ie.indeed.com. A deli assistant is wanted at the Clonmel Oil Service Station. Once again, go to ie.indeed.com for more details. A sales assistant is wanted at Macaulay Health and Beauty at the Poppy Fields. ie.indeed.com has all the details. An early years practitioner is wanted at Busy Bees Rathkeven. You can call 86 or apply by emailing office at busybeesclonmail.com. A fully qualified stylist is wanted at Halo Hair. You can call 86 330 for more or email Debbie Halo Hair Clonmel at Outlook.com. 
Part-time waiting staff are wanted at Brafani's restaurant and housekeeping staff are wanted for weekday mornings. Email info at brafani.com for more details or check out their social media pages. If you'd like to advertise a job on the Clawmill Podcast, here's what you do. Email Podcast at gmail.com. Okay, time for this week's interview. And I caught up with Clawmill poet Dave Fallon. The Clonmel Podcast. I'm joined by Dave Fallon, poet on the podcast. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. First time I've ever had a poet on the Clonmel Podcast, so I'm quite honoured. That's class, yeah. How long have you been writing poetry? Writing Reciting? Poetry. Uh, kind of writing poetry, there's an element of reciting as well, especially for book launches and stuff, if you're invited to them or if I can make it to them. Um, and I've been lucky to be a part of three anthologies. Um, and there's been some fabulous poets that have been involved in those books and you kind of bounce off people and it's kind of a community of poets. Uh, when, when you get together for a book, you're not, you're able to talk with people, you don't feel like your work is, you know, mediocre or, or worse or better than anybody else's and it's a great way to share ideas and to talk about your work then and it's a great way to meet other poets, your age group or, you know, even older poets and kind of learn from them and learn how each, how each other is writing and stuff and kind of um, the different themes that you're writing about and what, what kind of motivates you to write, do you know? Where did the interest in poetry come from? Um, I suppose because I grew up on the mountain road. Oh, a lovely part um, of a town to grow up yeah. in. Beautiful up there. There's just lovely scenery up there too. Mm. So when I was younger, I'd go, I'd go up to the mountain and I'd sit down and I'd, you know, you'd hear nature around you or... You might be lucky to actually see maybe a deer go by or see a rabbit or a fox and you'd get very kind of inspired and motivated and I always had an interest in poetry I loved the way that you know you can say something through poetry but it might not necessarily be what you mean so there's always you're always looking for that deeper meaning or that secondary meaning coming through in it and it's I always found it a great stress relief growing up as well you know I always wonder that I spoke to Ross Boland there recently and Ross writes songs as well and I had visions of songwriters going into a darkened room you know <laughs> and just trying to think of stuff to write and I was about to say is that the same with poetry but obviously not because you're saying the same thing Ross actually said where you could be walking along the street somewhere or like in your case the mountain road yeah. and that's where you get the inspiration from yeah like there's a there's a lyricism in poetry as mm. well that can be you know it's closely linked to songwriting and there's been a lot of poets that have wrote songs even and delved into that side of it as well there's a commonality between the two and like Ross said in in previous interview like it can be some of the most mundane things that you could write about or it could just be a pure happenstance that you come across and you go do you know what that'd make a great piece of poetry or that'd be great as a verse or great in in, in a rhyme you know and it's that kind of inspiration the everyday I find that what's common in the everyday and the little things that the mannerisms that people have I love writing about all of that kind of stuff do you know how long would it take uh, I'm sure it depends on the poem but roughly how long would it take to to put a poem together would it be quite a long painstaking process yeah not, can, maybe not painstaking it can it depends be. what you're thinking of obviously it, re- it, yeah. it really can be pain. really sometimes you go, be going into every single word you've wrote and trying to doubt, ask yourself like is there a better way for me to say this? Or am I saying it in a way that people will grasp and get it straight away? So it can be, like, I could go through five, six, or maybe seven drafts over the course of a few months, or even 
some poetry I've went back and revo- revised it's been over a few years mm. you know and I suppose Ross would probably Ross would understand as well being a songwriter you're never really ever happy with your finished piece but you always run the risk of when you go back you take too much away or you know you're never as, as a writer and I'm sure Ross would admit you're never comfortable in, in the finished piece because you always feel like you could go back and do, say it better um, so there's that kind of letting go of yeah, your work and, and you with poetry to. then would you maybe get someone to look it over or maybe recite the poem to a few people and get their views on it as well yeah I've been, lo- been blessed to uh, have formed a friendship with John Ennis a famous poet down in Watford he was head of humanities in, in WIT uh, and I've actually met up with him and drawn inspiration from him from his work and he draws on a lot of myth a lot of the urban and the rural through his poetry and it's very relative and it's easily understood and everyone no matter your background or where you come from can relate to it so I've drawn a lot of inspiration from him and what about recent works what have you been working on recent works uh, the most recent one was the Clonmel Remembrance Walk because you're involved in that too aren't I'm you involved in that yeah so it's for suicide prevention uh, and it's uh, Thomas Ryan who uh, right. leads it and stuff um so I've wrote reflections and wrote poetry for that. Uh, I've had four or five friends in school that I've been in school with. They were classmates and they've sad, sadly lost their lives. So I always found, even though I'm living in Waterford now, when I come home, I come home for that every year without fail. And How was it this year, the Remembrance Walk? Fabulous, yeah. Mm. It was a great turnout for the walk. It was a great turnout for the Mass and... Uh, Thomas has actually opened it up now to invite poets to write for it. So I'm not the only poet who's wrote for it. There's uh, five or six other poets that write for it as well, and they submit reflections. We get donations of flowers to make a wreath. So it's a very commun- very community-centred, you know, and people-centred. And it's great the way that loved ones can remember people in their lives who have passed yeah. in that way. Of course, yeah. But sometimes, you know, those families... You know, the hardship they go through. I mean, the one thing that they all say is that, you know, they don't want any other family to go through that. And through poetry or through writing or through music, if we can stop even one person contemplating that and realising that, look, you do have support, you're not on your own, we will, give, we will get help for you. You know, that's, that's the positive to draw from. That's what drives us to do it each year, you know. And here we are today recording this, Down by the Quay, start of the Blue Way, and we're right facing the river in front of us to shore which we know many people have either contemplated or sadly have yeah lost you know lost their lives in there yeah you know yeah very poignant as well you feel the breeze going by you can hear the river the birds Mm. you know it's very serene down today you know what school did you go to went to the high school yeah good days uh yeah i found a love for art um found a love for scouts as well oh. um, so very outdoorsy very artsy uh, taught for a long time that I would become an artist and get into ceramic design um, but what ended up happening was I my uh, interests delved in kind of more so into poetry as I got older I still do art on and off I might paint people's dogs or draw people's dogs for them it's good to know uh, <laughs> <laughs> on a portrait of your dog <laughs> Can contact yeah, you. you'd be surprised the amount of yeah, people that want really? to portrait, portrait of their dog. You <laughs> I'm, know not, I mean? I'm not taking them. I know you're not. 
<laughs> or cat. Yeah, or cat. Yeah, um, if they can stay still long enough. And I love doing it. They're they're a great uh, great characters. You can really get mm. a sense of a dog's character when you draw mm. them. You know, uh, and just to see the emotion when you hand over the drawing and. You know, it's something that they have for their for the rest of their lives. Do you know what I mean? And they're such loyal animals, dogs. Do you know what I mean? That it's just people feel the need to have them around them all the time. And people love their animals. They don't love they, animals, as well. Yeah. It be it dogs or cats. But mind you, I'm a cat lover now, and people always say you never own your cat, and you're so right, you don't. <laughs> they just use you for food, and they bugger off. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a dog will always be there for you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And was there any um, interest in poetry in the school days? Not as much when I was in school. When I was in school, like I said, I, I genuinely thought I was going to get into ceramic design. And mm. any of my former schoolmates who know me at all would know that I, I loved art when I was in school. It was the one thing I was good at. Never really felt great at sport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't something I could pick up easily. I kind of struggled with sport a lot. Uh, and I have to admit, the high school being a strong GAA school and mm. won, has won a lot of trophies over yeah, the years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they did have avenues for people who weren't into sports so you were able to get it like, there was music classes choir art classes uh, and I, I was actually I was good at art that I ended up doing art through Stag the South Tipperary Art Group brilliant um, we used to go out in the town and we'd be drawing old doors or old locks or uh, the courthouse even drawing the, the brickwork on the courthouse and stuff or even for the Clonmel Junction, designing the roundabouts, painting the roundabouts. Always love those. Yeah. Always love those. Yeah. You know? I was involved in, in, in all of that. That was enjoyable though, wasn't it? Sure. Very enjoyable. Mm. Met some interesting people. You yeah. Know? Uh, some really good characters. And Maureen herself is a character. It's Maureen Purcell. Maureen Purcell, yeah. 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 Uh, she, as a teacher, I had her, her for art at the weekends. And then I had art in school. So a lot of the stuff I was doing in school, I had been accustomed to with Maureen on the weekend so ceramics batik uh, weaving uh, collages doing different designs in pottery and stuff she's a fabulous teacher like you know but it was good what you said the high school were doing in a sense uh, even though they were kind of focused with GAA and things like that they also gave you the option do you not intend yeah. to join the choir or you know, did you have a voice when you were singing? I uh, had a voice when I was in primary school, but not necessarily. The voice broke then. The voice broke like the loads of us, yeah. yeah. And kicked out the choir. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there were there were you know a lot of the lads in school as well done theatre. Mm. So uh, they would have been involved in um, drama classes that we might have had and stuff back in primary school. Um, but yeah, the, the high school was good to go to. I met some interesting people. Loved a lot of the subjects that I was doing. Wasn't good at science at all was told do not, tough, get, though, yeah. do not get involved in science what's that physics chemistry physics, biology chemi- yeah. all that yeah yeah was oh, never good at any of that no. you know join the club me, too artsy too creative <laughs> <laughs> so what was the plan then during your school day did you have kind of aspirations to be something or someone yeah i thought i was going to like be a ceramicist and yeah. like start selling pottery Fantastic. and that kind of thing you know what I mean I, lo- I loved it I loved working with clay and working with my hands mm. ever see that um, film Ghost? no watch Ghost that's all I'm saying to you there's a pottery scene <laughs> there is you have to watch it you'll enjoy it <laughs> actually I was watching a film the other night it's a bit dark but it was called I Came By it's on Netflix right <laughs> and the guy in it actually uses a killing to get rid of bodies <laughs> no way yeah he Jesus. does yeah on, um, but it's know, like, they're very hot in there <laughs> well you need to watch it I Came By it's actually a fabulous film okay. it's done really well well Ghost I think um, was made around 1990 it's Patrick Swayze uh, Demi Moore 
uh, and it's a pottery scene. So that's before my time. It is well before your time, <laughs> young man. <laughs> I feel about 60 now. Yeah. Thanks very much. Sorry. <laughs> but it, it might come on the telly one day. You can watch, oh, I must look out for the pottery scene. Mark said to watch this bit. <laughs> I just Googled the pottery scene later. Just do that on YouTube. YouTube, yeah. YouTube it as well. Um, so that was the plan anyway. That was the plan, yeah. And I suppose when the, the crash happened then, mm. uh, a lot of work left the town and you know there was no jobs for a long time and I suppose I made the decision then to go back and and to kind of go back and study and but to do that I had to move to get work I had to move so I moved to Waterford about eight years ago one of the best decisions really I made yeah mm. why did you say that because I felt like I'm, I'm gay myself mm-hmm. so I just felt in Clamel as much as I love the town love the people you know I couldn't be myself fully mm, mm. so I felt Waterford gave me that sense of, of escapism to be able to be myself yeah. and then I went back to college done English and that was how I got involved in poetry much more through college and stuff um, and that was how I was blessed then to be a part of the three anthologies I was a part of you know that's lovely and of course we have Clonmel Pride now every year, which Clonmel is getting bigger Pride. and bigger every yeah. single year. Yeah. It really is a success, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's really after. It's amazing to see the town come together for it and just to see everyone from all walks of life, young and old, gathering for it. Um, so it was something, actually, growing up, I thought I would never see. Mm. But now that it's happening, it's like mm. I have a sense of pride about being from Clonmel, knowing that it's on every year, you know, and fair play to Gerard Redden and Stefano and stuff yeah. and all the team there for doing that you know they do an amazing job I, I can't imagine the amount of oh, preparation and hours of effort yeah that go into that every yeah. single year I'm sure they're actually planning for next year as we speak and there's a lot of straight allies that you know usher for it mm. so this mm. is the other thing is and it's they've really gotten the community involved different businesses different uh, uh, local businesses and stuff and it's fabulous to see them all come together for it and just create a sense of openness in the town it's needed do you know so what does Dave Fallon like to do in his spare time love walks mm. um, lo- love to write poetry as well obviously so I submit to po- uh, Poetry Ireland and to different anthologies throughout the year um, you don't hear back from them all so you kind of take a bit of solace from the ones that you do hear from mm. um, not everyone is going to like your work so you kind of have to be prepared for that the first time that happened how did you feel I say, like, oh my God, I'm never going to get published. You do, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you, it, it can hit you. Yeah, and you, you second-guess your maybe work. That, was that the right You're second-guess your Some of them don't provide feedback either. So you're mm. kind of sitting there going, well, I'd love to know, have feedback on what I could do right. Or, and then when you obviously get printed and get published, it's a great sense of joy and, a, and you have a great sense of accomplishment when you do. And I only really write to, or, or apply to anthologies that are close to my heart, so... One of them that I was in was the Green Carnations. It's an LGBT mm. anthology with 25 other poets. So that was very close to my heart to be a part of that. The first one I was in was for, um, it was protest poetry anthology for Palestinian victims. Mm. Um, many of them who were killed by Israeli forces. And then the last one that I was in that was uh, on up in Longford, it was done through Creative Ireland. So it's a... Uh, a cultural get together whereby they bring the community and from people of all traditions together to write for this anthology book and a lot of the poetry that's in it was wrote during the lockdown so 
it ended up announced to the writers and announced to the poets and the poetry we were submitting it ended up becoming this lockdown anthology and some of the older poets their poetry was very poignant because they were talking about loneliness and isolation and what the lockdown done to them and it was it's became actually a really interesting read mm. and it ended mm. up charting the first lockdown and the second lockdown and you end up having this amazing book then from all different age groups yeah and in some cases the lockdown isn't obvious mm. and then in other in other po- poems that were in the book it is very obvious you can hear you can see the sense of loneliness coming through from it you know so it was a fabulous book to be a part of and how were you during lockdown how did you get by during the pandemic when we all were locked down and we couldn't go beyond our 5k literally uh, were you in Waterford then I was in Waterford yeah and could you come home at all I was living on my own I had a letter from work that allowed me to travel because I work for Tesco Mm. so um, what we done as a family was we set up our own bubble so I was able to see my brother and my mother and if I wasn't able to see them I probably would have cracked you know so family for me was very important through the lockdown we, I think the tr- there's only me my mother and my br- my brother so the three of us got ourselves through it together you know as a family and I think for a lot of people it was their families that got them through mm. it they would have been very difficult without family so my heart goes out to people who live alone or you know especially older people especially during the lockdown they had it very tough you know they had it very tough and of course we know they frightened the life out of the older people as well yeah you know which had was a them, terrible thing had them afraid to leave their homes and yes you know, even to pick up items in the shop, people were afraid to touch anything. It was very cra- crazy times. Amazing to see that we're out the other side of it now. You know, not that COVID's gone, but we have this sense that it is. Yeah, yeah. It's um, great to see everything opened up again. Like, as you said, we had the Clonmel Pride this year, which yeah. is lovely to see. Yeah, it's good to see people gathering ag- again and coming together again. And um, people need that for their own, you know, sanity and their own mental health. You know, otherwise we'd crack. Humans are very social we're very social so mm. to take that away from us you know you're taking away the core of who we are you know you mentioned growing up in the mountain road nice area to grow up in good good memories yeah good good memories um uh, memories of like building snowmen and stuff during winter when the snow would fall really heavy come down into the town and then there's no snow and you're like mammy why is there no snow in town <laughs> um, yeah. but even yeah just going up to the cross then walks with my father through hikes mountains and uh, going across the, over the ridge with scouts because I was involved in scouts when I was growing up as well so it was very I was always very outdoorsy loved the outdoors uh, going off on camps and hiking and you know that was my bread and butter when I was young like you in the scouts for long was in the scouts uh, from when I was in beavers cubs the whole way whole way through um, done many camps out by uh, Cork McSherry in Cork and out in Cairn in Wexford uh, some fabulous memories some of the best two weeks I've spent in my summer were camping with scouts yeah I spoke to you know, uh, and Pat English was there as yeah well. he was yeah the he leader, was yeah. now mayor of now course. mayor of course and yeah. they, a lot of people say you know get your kids into the scouts yeah it's just like I learned how to tie different knots and uh, pitch a tent and I know, and some people might might not see any of that as useful but I find it very useful even to this day that I can just pick up a tent pitch it and you know even just to uh, cook, come on now Dave you've got those tents you just throw up in the air and all of a sudden they're uh, there's nothing like pitch, <laughs> nothing, nothing like pitching your own tent <laughs> oh, I don't care what anyone Jesus. says Jesus 
<laughs> okay. None so, of these mud cans. <laughs> as the rain starts to come down and we're getting soaked, we'll, we'll finish the interview. But first I have to ask you, what's your, where's your favourite place in Clonmel or favourite part of Clonmel? Favourite part of Clonmel would have to be up by the Holy Year Cross or out by Marleyfield Lake. Um, the nature out in Marleyfield Lake is fantastic, of course. And the views up on the mountain road, up by the Holy Year Cross, are breathtaking. We're very lucky to have those views and to have Marleyfield Lake just on our doorstep. So for me, just to get up there and just escape for a few hours is the best, do you know? Do you know what? It's been a pleasure. Thank Dave you for Fallon. having me. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. The Clonmel Podcast. Thank you, Dave. So there we have it. That is the Clonmel Podcast for this Friday, the 21st of October. Coming next week, it's our Clonmel Podcast Halloween Special. <laughs> Sorry, it's the Clonmel Podcast Halloween Special. A very tall lady, so I'm looking at someone who's nearly seven foot, and she's like long white hair, long white hair, and it's a woman, because I had to look, was it a man or a woman, because she's just dressed in like a robe, but it's a light robe, it's like a, a purpley coloured robe. Just in front of you, Isabel, just standing in front and she's standing looking at us. That's next week. Until then, take care. Look after one another. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email theclonmelpodcast at gmail.com and you'll find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and, of course, on the website www.theclonmelpodcast.com. Talk to you next week for the Clonmel Podcast Halloween Special. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by County Tipperary Skillnet. Take the first step to sustainability with County Tipperary Skillnet. Visit their sustainability show at 10am next Tuesday, the 25th of October, in the Talbot Hotel, Clonmel. You've been listening to the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Produced by West 10 Audio Productions. Your town, your podcast. 